2: It's Flames Nation Radio, delivered to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery, the makers of Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. And we're firmly into the off-season. We're recording this episode a day early. And a day early, it'll go up on a Wednesday rather than a Thursday, because Thursday is round one of the National Hockey League's annual entry draft. It uh, begins, for those of you... uh, want to follow along it begins at 5 p.m mountain time uh, live from montreal quebec and the bell center Uh, our pal pat steinberg will be there doing uh, some live coverage for sports at 960 the fan and and uh, representing uh, flames nation at at the event Uh, round two goes on friday beginning at nine in the morning mountain time 11 p.m or 11 a.m eastern time uh, in montreal again from the bell center so it's a long it's gonna be a long, twenty-four hours, sort of forty-eight hour period for a lot of hockey folks. I'm Ryan. He's Shane. It's Flame Station Radio, Draft Edition, uh, and there's a lot of stuff going on. We figured before we get into uh, the guts of a lot of stuff going on, we sort of walk you guys through sort of the the calm before the storm, such as it is, because there's gonna be a lot of stuff happening. Uh, so just uh, this is this is stuff that I liberally stole from the NHL's uh, media guide. Because, you know, why not? Uh, So the first buyout period began on July 1st, as we've uh, documented uh, on the site and we've discussed here. Uh, Shane, I don't think the Flames are buying anybody out. Uh, The only obvious candidates are Milan Lucic and Sean Monaghan. Sean Monaghan, he's injured and he can't be bought out. Uh, It's Uh, the Jared Jared Cowan rule. The Jared Cowan rule.
3: The Lucic buyout would just actually own; wouldn't save it, them any money. They'd end up actually costing them like four million next year. So
2: it would if they if they try to buy out Milan Lucic, it would cost them 400 They get uh, it would they gain four hundred ninety thousand dollars thereabouts, or five hundred ninety-seven thousand dollars in in cash base, just less than six hundred k. And to replace him, you need to pay someone at least league minimum, which is seven fifty. So. Yes. If, if you can't replace the guy with the money you're saving, what's the point you're actually increasing the cost against the cap of that roster spot, which is a weird decision, which is why they're not doing it. So uh, Monahan would have to clear, uh, clear, you know, uh, you've the past medicals, uh, He's, he, they're not going to make him do that so uh
3: there's been fans saying he's going to retire online i think you're crazy i i he, i i, 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 I saw
2: i saw some footage of him uh sean monaghan uh it was recently honored by the city of brampton they named a park after him sean monaghan park it's actually two parks there's sort of a north a north half and a south half so there's sean monaghan park north and sean monaghan park south which is really cool uh, and you know, evidently, you know, Sean Monk was moving around pretty well. So some amateur, uh, amateur medical folks were like, "Looks like he's doing pretty good." I don't know. I only saw some clips, but he was crouching down and signing things, and evidently, he didn't double over in pain and you know, collapse or anything. So p- by all counts, Monahan's doing good. But uh, Monahan Next is not show. doing. He's not doing probably well enough to get medical clearance for for the purpose of a buyout. Because why would you? If you're Monahan, yeah. why would you consent to do a medical just for the buyout? That seems weird. Uh, and on the other hand, he's not doing poorly enough to uh, to retire. So he's he's gonna play. He's gonna play. Oh, I was there. talking about
3: Lucic. I was talking about some fans thought. Lucic why would
2: Milan Lucic would retire? He just exactly. Get, he's I I don't get is.
3: it. It's 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 like some weird thing they've got so they can make their own cap friendly rosters. Uh, it's, fantasy it's, dream. They it's five dimensional you know chess that doesn't make any sense. Game.
2: I. I will suggest having no inside information, folks, that the most likely way the Flames get cap relief is not from a buyout, it be from a trade. Uh, Lucic 100%. could be valuable. So Luc- Lucic actually, if you if you bear in mind, his uh, escrow is at 10% for the 22-23 season. Uh, he is owed uh, $900,000 of which 12 and a half percent. Don't ask me to do this kind of math off the top, man, but a decent amount of money would be covered by the Edmonton Oilers. Um, and so, there, if you're an acquiring team, you can get uh, a 5.25 million dollar cap hit for less than 800 grand actual cash.
3: That's yeah, not bad. Not, that's enticing. Actually, it's,
2: uh, the, the actual cash would be, I think, I worked out the math. The actual cash would be 787 thousand uh, dollars.
3: So, yeah, but he yeah, he loves it in Calgary. He's got a full no move. So, like to me, I'm just like I'd just stay. And it's a year. Any in a year, like the end of next year, it's five million off the books. Like, like just it's fine he plays a prominent role he's good in the room and he just just uh, you know, I make I don't, it work.
2: I don't think they'll I don't think there's any things the flames have ruled out but I I would like a they yeah, can't they be, these would. two guys can't and won't be bought out and B if they trade them they'll trade them specifically because they want to open up some cap space and that'd be the only reason it'd be it'd not be like they're you know you're not gonna have hypothetically Brad True living booting guys out of the team and saying that they're terrible and he hates them. You know, it'd be a case where the flames value what both guys bring. It'd just be a case of what both guys bring is a little bit pricey relative to the role of the team. That'd be it. In be, recent product, I, yeah. I, I, would, I would say this uh, we, we saw earlier this week, the, the Tampa Bay lightning uh, getting divesting themselves of Ryan McDonough's contract uh, in a very tidy bit of business. Uh, the flames getting you know, moving out uh, Alucic on Monaghan this summer with, uh, you know, the, the idea of opening up some cash space and being a bit more competitive in the free agent market, that would be a very Tampa Bay trade. It'd be Tampa. Yeah, it'd well, be them we, trying to be aggressive in ways that Tampa Bay is always aggressive.
3: Yeah, we've seen two trades this offseason already, uh, cap dumps, uh, both the team... Actually I don't even think, team think team Kevin Fiala is a cap dump. Well, no, that, Garen said so. Garen said Garen said he couldn't pay him. Yeah, said in think, his press conference, he's like, "I can't pay him." Like, well, it's, it's, and it's that's not because to
2: they're Cap and they it's, it's that, it's flat out having having Kevin Fiala uh, at the money that Kevin Fiala would want and end up getting from L.A. Uh, would have made it difficult for the King or for the Wild to do other things. And specifically, yeah. you know, I think they're probably looking at Mark on because who wouldn't? Because he's awesome. You know, there's, I, there's, uh, I think I think if you're the Wild, you, you have a lot more flexibility without Kevin Fiala. The Kings seem to really like Kevin Fiala, so it worked out for them. And Brock Faber gets to go play in his home state. So it seems, it seems like it, it's it's always kind of nice when trades work for everybody. And so I think that if the Flames needed to go down that road, I think that'd be the kind of thing they'd explore.
3: I bring that up more or less because the, the guys the Flames have they need to move don't have the pedigree that those two guys did. Not, Not two-time Stanley Cup champion, three straight finals. Fiala, point per game player. Like they just don't have that. Monahan's been hurt for two years. Lucic is not the power forward he was when he won the cup with Boston. Like, like you would have to pay yeah. to get rid of those assets, and that's As, other you'd, aspects. You'd, ha- you'd
2: have there. to. You're not going to get full value for those assets because of the contracts. No.
3: Uh, no, exactly. You know,
2: they're they're still useful NHL players, especially if Monahan. Like I did a radio hit on 960 on Tuesday morning. If Monahan's anywhere close to what he used to be after getting his other hip fixed, like. With two, with you know, the with getting it, getting his labrums all figured out, uh, if he's anywhere close to what he used to be, that's a value there. But well, isn't it is its it six point three seven five against the cap worth of value? Uh, I don't know. We'll have to
3: see. They know though, like the flames know like Brad for living and his staff, they would have of of all of the entire world, those guys wouldn't know more better than any of the rest of us. So I
2: I would disagree. I would argue that uh a guy coming off of two major labrum surgeries mean, one I on each side it. it's almost unprecedented it's you know you don't really know like i think the flames could tell you why he struggled i don't think they could tell you specifically how they think he's going to recover right away and i think that'd be the gamble Like, just say if you're ottawa for example i'm using ottawa as an example because he's from the ottawa area yeah. Uh, or the Leafs or whoever if you're a team close to where he's from and you're like oh we'll send Sean Monahan home even if you're interested, what are you getting and I think the what are you getting of it is the big question mark. so well
3: and he's only got a year left till he's UFA as well so it just there's a lot it's, of, it's a calculated risk, risk on either
2: side uh so looking back at the dates so July 1st the buyout period is uh, begun it lasts until July 12th uh as of uh, July 2nd was the club elected salary arbitration deadline nobody elected none of the clubs elected for salary arbitration it's very rare that it does because teams are limited on uh per contract and how many times they can do that or per player how many times they can do that uh as we mentioned uh thursday round one of the draft starts at five uh july 8th the friday friday rounds uh two through seven of the draft starts at 9 a.m make sure you uh, get some coffee in you so the monday monday the 11th uh coming up that's the uh 5 p.m Eastern time, 3 p.m. Calgary time is the qualifying offer deadline. So, qualifying offers, uh, you know, they're they're set based on you know your your current contract and your experience level. Uh, basically, that determines what your qualifying offer is. Uh, you know, the first uh, the first guys kind to of mind. You know, getting hefty qualifying offers uh, will be obviously Matthew Kachuk, Andre uh Oliver Shillington's is not that big because he was coming off a league minimum contract, so he's not going to be getting a ton but there's a lot of there's a lot of guys you know some question marks questions of you know the, the flames have a few gentlemen who signed in europe uh johannes shinball signed with brunas uh i believe it's lola signed and rfa
3: with... as well don't know what they'll do with him maybe yeah
2: realistically um,
3: really really the two the two minor league ones you mentioned you mentioned the three in uh pros but matthew phillips and adam razichka kind of the two minor league ones outside outside there's, martin posh shell kind of three
2: there's there's um, really i think there's not too it, many nothing question marks co- with the with the the with the qos though outside of the will they qualify the guys who are are pl- going to be playing elsewhere next year i mean uh the QO qualifying offers that have to go up manju punning and no brainers uh oliver shillington no brainer uh who else uh matthew phillips no brainer P- posh no brainer uh Rizishka, British, no yeah. brainer uh then there's Talola, freshball
3: Pullman, and Tyler Parsons, and I just don't see, see them doing Parsons.
2: Parsons will be a no because he he, yeah. he hasn't played in over a year. Pullman's a maybe. I've warmed up a bit about Pullman over the last little while because I saw him, a lot of him in the playoffs. He's solid. Like he's He was playing with Valimaki, and his gig was basically – be the the defensive conscience so that battle can do his thing and it didn't really work out so much in the battle sense of it but pullman is solid i mean is he yeah. going to be much more than a solid D man at his age and at his progression rate i don't know but you still need probably them all.
3: but yeah, but they but, need they need veteran like next year all they have signed uh well connor Mackey will is uh he's no longer waiver exempt so he's either going to be on the i think Mackey will be elsewhere waivers.
2: next year but yeah, yeah the, and, and, uh, then,
3: and then they have Kuznetsov, Salaviov, and Poye, who are all – like, Kuznetsov and Poye yeah. barely have any yeah. age experience. Yeah. Salaviov's got the, one year.
2: I think they probably go out and, and sign some veteran guys to try to yeah. re-up some of their existing veterans. But I think just for continuity, having Pullman there to sort of play with those young guys, Maybe I think it has good. some value there. And he's not going to be expensive. So there's some value there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, the AH question – the, the deal. The question marks we had about uh, about Shinvol and Talola. If you qualify them, you make you hold on to their NHL rights. Historically, when uh, guys have defected, uh, the the types of RFAs these guys are going to be are known as defective or defected RFAs. Uh, so if the, there's really no downside to qualifying them, it doesn't count against your contract limit. You hold on to their rights. Yeah, uh, they didn't it doesn't cost you anything. So and I the imagine...
3: qualifying offer expires at some point in August, right?
2: No not in august Uh, i'll get to that in a sec oh yeah Uh, so yeah next so yeah qualifying offer deadline is uh you gotta submit qualifying offers to the players by july 11th uh the buyout period ends uh, at 5 p.m eastern 3 p.m calgary time on july 12th Uh, july 13th uh, starting at 10 a.m mountain is when uh the free agency period begins noon eastern 10 a.m mountain uh, that means that the Flames uh, can offer uh, an eight-year contract to Johnny Gaudreau up to mid, uh, I think it's 11.59 p.m. Yep. Eastern time on, uh, on the 12th. So that would be 9.59. So basically, as soon as it's 10 p.m. Mountain time on the 12th, the Flames can offer him uh, a, uh, an eight-year deal. They can offer him a seven-year deal as soon as the clock strikes 10, but eight, eight years will be off the table at that point. Uh, and he doesn't officially become a free agent until 10 a.m. So they'd have, in theory, like 12 hours of saying, how about seven years? Which I don't know if that is that'd that would be the thing. Point, you if
3: see. you make it all the way to that point, you're going to go see what other teams are going to say. Like, like, yeah, if, if you if haven't... It doesn't hurt you, like, okay, cool, I understand that. But if now... You ha- if you
2: haven't been saying yes to eight years, suddenly it becoming seven years won't turn into a yes. Because uh, you could always well, say... Se- eight seven years was just always to the keep table, the A too.
3: down is... Eight years just to keep the AAV down is, is kind of like you're not thinking eight years down the road. I, I whatever, that's in a whole other. Where's we're this yeah. draft episode?
2: Uh, and okay, so uh, basically, what else? Uh, July 17th uh, is the deadline for player elected salary arbitration. So uh, players can file, the pay, player agents will file with the league saying so and so is going to arbitration. Uh, the Flames have a few guys who are eligible. So here's the deal with RR. Uh And I know if, for those of you going, Oh my God, I'm worried that the, someone might uh, might offer sheet Kachuk, Manjupani, uh Shillington. Here's the deal with arb: if one, if if any of those players file for arb, right away, as soon as it's acknowledged they file for arb, they can't be offer sheet. Boom. So mm-hmm. you, if this might be, if you're worried about, you could, you should be worried about offer sheets or arb, but not both, because they can't both happen. Uh, and if anything, just to, get, just to get some time pressure on these things, maybe you're, maybe you're kind of rooting for ARB. That way yeah, it puts a little bit of time pressure on things. Uh, the arbitration hearings this year are, will be scheduled between August, uh, July 27th and August 11th. So uh, if, you're, if you're in the back of your mind going, man, when can I just go off to a lake and stop thinking about the flames for a couple of weeks? The answer is at the very latest, August 11th.
3: Now, when when do the qualifying offers expire? Again? The qualifying offers actually expire on July twenty second. Okay, so so in terms of if Matthew Kachuk is going to accept his qualifying offer and lock himself to free agency, he has to do it by July twenty second.
2: Yeah, and I believe there you go. I believe under the CBA, he can file for arb, but the qualifying offer remains on the table. So
3: and his during the negotiation years
2: process, years during the negotiation process, perhaps he would go, oh well, the negotiation is not going the way I want it to. Maybe I'll just accept my QO.
3: And uh, so, well, so that's an option until the 22nd. Arbitration only awards one or two year contracts as well.
2: Uh, if, you're pending, if you're a year away from, from under your free agency, like uh, Maggi and, uh, and Kachuk, you could only do a one year yeah, board.
3: Exactly. So, so
2: the difference in, in terms of contract length for Maggi and for Kachuk, one year would be all they get from their QO and one year would be all they get from ARP
3: and yeah we'll see depending on what happens with them and johnny it could go either full rebuild mode or full or full like those are three top six wingers or three of their four top six wingers from this last season so, so um, like, you, you know you got, if if one leaves though they, sh- they shouldn't ever be outbid on the other ones In theory, like we
2: said like we said at the outset that's a lot like so basically between what the 21st that is like 8 19 days from now Mm -hmm. so basically less than three weeks within less than three weeks we'll have a good idea of what everything's going to be happening with the flames you know probably two weeks finally so if you're someone who doesn't like uh, uncertainty like you know we've been you know in in the pandemic overall we've all been willing you know living with a bunch of uncertainty the last couple years so if you're if you don't like that and you really don't like your hockey club having uncertainty well there's gonna be some certainty one way or the other fairly soon for a lot of these sort of dangling Dangling uh, threads of stories. So, uh, we'll, as we find more information on these things, we'll let you guys know. And if anything uh, newsworthy really happens, we might do an urgency
3: pod at some point.
2: But maybe well, we won't. And,
3: and, and getting into all this, Calgary's only got 10 skaters under contract for next season that played NHL hockey 11 if you count Rzichka. um You should count Rizichka. He played almost he, 30
2: games. He spent a yeah, year with
3: Flames. He should. He's just, he got pension money out of this. That's true. Um, so, he... They have a lot of signing to do outside of the big guys, so that's that's without Manj- Kachuk, and, and Chillington. He can I'll, add those three.
2: I'll, I'll tell you this. The Flames are as, excite, are, are as anxious, and I don't want to say excited, but the Flames, you know, the, let's be honest. The hockey apps department is full of people like you and me. They just work in hockey. And people like you and me, Shane... We would just love to be able to go on a vacation and have all our business dealt with. The yeah. Flames can't go on vacation. They can't all just have an exodus out to Kelowna to just chill out for a week without all these things being dealt with. Because they have to prep for potential salary ARB cases, they have to prep for negotiations, they have to prep for a lot of things. And the big, the big uh, you know, clog in their pipes lately has been Johnny Gaudreau. Because yeah. without you need like say, Let's just say you want to bring back Calla Yarncroke. You want to bring back Eric Branson. You want to figure out if you can afford to sign Pawne for two years or five. What about Shillington? What about some of your minor league guys? What about? There's a lot of things they need to figure out. They need, look, they, you know, we just mentioned they they need to fill out a minor league team. They need to find a backup goalie for Dustin Wolf. For them, there's the going to be a
3: lot of new faces they're, coming they're, into the organization. Their to do list
2: is like thirty deep. Yeah, and then we're still on number one, which is actually number thirteen. But he's number one on the to do list.
3: And they so, can't do anything. Yeah, until okay, last
2: imagine time. like say 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 you know you're good Branson's agent. Like, you know you talk to me like hey you know like Eric Branson's bounced around a lot. He really liked Calgary. He seemed to have a blast. He seemed you know uh, talking to folks around the team around the league. You know he he fit the Flames like a glove, and mm-hmm. he would like you know I if the if the money is right, Eric Branson here for a couple of years. Would be a very nice fit. The Problem is, you don't know if you have the money to even have a, a substantial conversation with him until you get Cadro figured out. And you can make that thing, you can make that same dis- discussion point with basically anybody on the team, even even like you know, Shillington, Yarn Kroc, any, any of these other guys, even the minor league guys you want to sign, you have no idea how much money you have to spend on anything until you know how much you're giving to 13 and to 19. And so, I think the flames there'll be a certain amount of relief at a certain point when the saga ends, either with him signing a, a lengthy contract with, with much ballyhoo, or with him ending up wearing another jersey because the saga will finally be over and they can get on to literally everything else in their to do list because this has been holding everything up.
3: So, well, yeah, and and we talk about Kachuk as well. You know, you said nineteen days. Is he going to be here? Is he going to be gone? Like all of this stuff needs to be answered. Uh, but, uh, you know, you'd wish the draft could be a push point. You wish that you could say, it, hey, please let us know what it you're doing. Of is and it, so kind of it. it kind of so, isn't.
2: It kind of isn't. It kind of isn't because like you're, you're probably going to get a sense that I think they're probably going to push for a sense of m- who's going to be here long term.
3: How, how long term is long Are going to call up Calgary this weekend at the draft or weekend It's Thursday, Friday and say, hey, we want to sign Johnny Goudreau. Are you interested in moving his rights? We don't know. Like I said, it's dead quiet. We don't know exactly what's going on. We only get the reports from the big guys like Cerebelli and Friedman, and it's just kind of stalled. And so, if you're a GM and you want to pitch Johnny Goudreau and maybe you want the eighth year, why wouldn't you call up the Flames and ask if they can have him? And if you're not getting, and if you're the Flames and you're not getting the sense he's going to stay, it'd kind of be stupid to hold on to him for another seven days only to see him walk it's 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 to the point where that conversation needs to be had and what's uh they've been done right by the player most of the time but it's about time they start doing right by the team so it's it's coming up pretty quick and uh you can't wait on people forever it is a business so yeah
2: and on that and that route let's talk about briefly uh Brad living is very good at trades most of the time uh and the draft is when he gets a lot of this stuff done off the top of my head good trades he's made draft or draft adjacent uh, I'm not a big fan of the Hamannick trade. Uh, I thought it was a little bit much. I get yeah. why I, I, you got cost certainty. I think uh, they had several years of Hamannick at a, I think three point eight five seven or something eight, three, three, less, than three. Less, less than, than four less than four. Let's say decent. You know, you got cost certainty for a shutdown guy. I wouldn't have made the trade, but I understand why they. It's a p- type of player they didn't have, so I kind of understand why they wanted to do it. And I wouldn't. Have, I I don't like the price. I liked the player. I don't like the price. But if you look at the other moves that Trubing has made, Brian Elliott for I think a second and a second and a conditional pick that they didn't end up spending. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second turned into Jordan Cairo. You probably wish he had Jordan Cairo. But uh, on the other hand, I mean Brian Elliott was pretty good for the Flames, and it was in a situation where every year they went, "What do you do about goaltending?" And then they had to keep do, keep signing and trading for guys every year. So that was part of the merry-go-round of let's let's grab another goalie every year. I I liked Elliot. I thought it was a good move, and Elliot, you know, Elliot's a good. He's still in the NHL. He's not bad. He's not a bad goalie. Uh, Dougie Hamilton obviously was just some beautiful work by the Flames hockey ops group, where they punted on guys that didn't want to be here or weren't going to sign. You know, you turn you turn uh, send Bergey's trade request into a second rounder. You turn uh, Curtis Glencross, a pending UFA, into a second and a third. Then you turn. Uh, your own first and your own second and that second from the Glen cross trade into Dougie Hamilton. Sweet. And then you trade up with the third extra third you got and you get Oliver Shillington at the end of the second round. Well done. Uh, and then, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about that uh, than Hannafin Anderson or the Hannafin Lindholm trade. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, you would have wished to keep Adam Fox, but if he wasn't going to be there, there's not really much value to be had. So
3: and he, he was obviously very forthright in telling the team that, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not coming. So I, I have the right to I, stay at school.
2: <laughs> I, I, th- I think, I think Bradshaw Living's earned a reputation as sort of being, you know, a bit of a trade wizard at times. And I think this, this, this is this be, you know, if if you're a bit nervous about the Goudreau at it all, we can understand that because I think there's there's a reason to be nervous about the Goudreau at it all. But I'm honestly kind of anticipating, you know, uh, eagerly anticipating. What Trubee Tr- does this offseason, because especially with the the draft, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to say he's going to make trades, but I think he developed a reputation as a guy who figures out ways to get creative and find solutions to some roster construction issues that his team has had. Admittedly, some of the roster construction issues were self inflicted, but I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see you know the the non pick part of the draft as much as the the picks that they're going to make because. Yeah. You your, that's what you do your team building.
3: Especially because the flames only have three darts to throw at the dartboard. and you know, you'd want to hit a bull'seye. He gotta have more ammo, usually have more ammo. So Brad likes to trade down and great, get more picks. He likes to trade up to grab players he wants as well. So he's very movable at the draft. So I'm interested to see with what they do. I've been steadfast thinking that they're gonna trade down, try to get a third and maybe another fifth or something like that for their second. Someone, someone will want someone. They, at that they point. need a sixth, like, uh, like you know. Yeah, they need more sixth, fourth, and sixth, please. Give no, us a man. fourth they, and a the, sixth.
2: The, they haven't hit on fourths in a while. They need to hit like the the Flames. They their magic is in the sixth. So if you're if you're listening, Brad, and we know you, you listen to Flames Nation Radio exclusively, uh, yeah. you're probably sh- you're probably shushing everybody in the in the the, the hockey ops uh, room right now. It'd be like, no, no, we need to hear what these guys say. Uh, trade if you need to trade down. Make sure you get a sixth or two
3: added because you know, just, just because you guys know what you're doing down there, Rory Karen's uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, they've just been Manjapani, Manjapani like, Manjapani, like, just, Phillips. Just really good. Itu, itu
2: itu Talola, who, who went to Europe, but itu Tolola, you got three years of Ichu Tolola for a six rounder. Like, if, if you, if you, you know, we talked about Colton Pullman as being, you know, the idea of having useful American Hockey League players helps your rest of your team develop in the AHL much like say if you you know if you have it like you know this will be a bad comparison because Chris Tanev is excellent at hockey but having Chris Tanev allows Chris Tanev to help the guys around Chris Tanev and having a Tanev keeps other guys out of situations they're not well suited for same mm-hmm. thing happens in the AHL if you you know Mitch Love the way he used Pullman allowed him to give different deployments to guys like Ilya Solovyov and you know, Mackey and Andy Wilinski and things like that. So having it's about sort of you know mixing and matching. And so if you're able to get useful American League players in the sixth and seventh rounds, which the Flames have been able to do re- fairly well, there's a value in that because I remember there was a time when the Flames would draft and you know there was no reason to learn any of these people's names because you'd never hear from them again. They'd, you know, it's like oh here's here's a you know a 62 200 two hundred pound coke machine. And, oh, wait, no, you're, you're never going to hear his name again. What's yeah, the point of learning these people's names? Yeah, I'll say this, the Flames at least comparison. made it-
3: Here's Ryan Culkin. Here's John Ramage, Bill Arnold, Patrick hey, Hall. Hey,
2: I will not abide by any John Ramage or Bill Arnold slander. Those were good college players.
3: Yeah, they just didn't pan out. Jo- John Ramage eventually played some NHL games. But yeah,
2: or like Hugo Park Carpentier I mean... Oh, yeah, I'll yeah. After Hugo Carpanchi because he just wasn't very good in the AHL. But yeah, like I, I think they've done a really good job sort of I think I think they look at their drafting and developing a lot more holistically now than they used to. And I think like say here with the whole with the whole here's an example. Let's we'll pull this out. Part of the logic of not signing Ryan Francis, for example, was look at the number of smallish guys they have in their system and say, here, here's, a, here's a question. Do you think you have the ice time in Stockton to developed Rory Karens and Ryan Francis well at the same time?
3: Probably not. No. With well, yeah. Zari in, in, as well and,
2: another and, year, and all the other in guys. Another year, in another year, you're going to have the same question about Jack Beck because it's a question of who are you, whose ice time is Jack Beck? Like, it, like, I, I think they've done a great job with, uh, with Matthew Phillips because Matthew Phillips, from, for the first couple of years, Matthew Phillips was in the American League. Matthew Phillips was the only smallish guy they had. They had some bunch of bigger veteran dudes and then one or two small guys. Like they had, you know, they had Phillips, and then Phillips was two years into his entry-level deal, three years into his entry-level deal by the time Pelche came in. So you don't need yeah. to protect Phillips'. As much because Phillips has already figured it out, and because you have a Phillips who's figured it out, you can use him to help Pelche figure it out, and then next year they'll use Pelche to help Karens figure it out, and then after Karen after Pelche goes up, they'll use Karens to help Beck figure it out. But the problem is you don't have enough. Like it's like it's like the idea of you look at the NHL roster. How many Gaudreau's and is can you have on the team? Because you you don't want to have a team that's you know twenty five ten guys. who are fast because you know they're going to get squished oh at some point. But yeah, you also don't yeah. want to have 26, five guys that can't move. So you have to have some You're balance. And I think scared. that's why I, when I say they're, they're looking at development holistically, that's what, what I mean, where they look at, you know, what types of players you have, what situations you can use them in, how do they learn new situations? And when somebody leaves, do they have a spot for someone else to come in? I mean, look at mm-hmm. the blue line. Like they're, gonna, they're getting a ready-made pairing with Kuznetsov and Poye if yeah. they want to do it that way. But if you want to split them up, you need someone to play with Kuznetsov to teach him pro. You need someone to play with Kupoye to teach him pro. And then you're going to have Solovyov in his second, third year pro. He played a year in the KHL when he was 20, mm-hmm. which is I don't think we're talking enough about how impressive that is, that a 20-year-old kid K- that H- got H- the seventh H- round H- K- playing H- a regular. H-
3: players game. when they're young get, like, let next to no ice time. Yeah. He was, playing, like he was six playing. minutes playing.
2: He was so. playing like twelve minutes a night on the third pairing of a good, uh, a good KHL, an okay KHL team. They weren't great, but then he comes over here and he's playing six, seven. You know, he's the six, seven guy on a on a good AHL team. So yeah, so I, I think they've been re- doing a good job with that. Uh, I think so. Uh, what Shane and I wanted to do so last week it was a marathon episode. where We threw a bunch of names at you. Uh, and, was, you know, so w- in the interim, we've had a bit more time to sort of drill down in some of the names. Uh, you know, we have, uh, I'd say probably close to two dozen uh, second round target uh, bios up on Flamestation.ca. And we encourage you to check them out. Uh, we also encourage you to check out Chris Peters' top 100 over at Daily Faceoff. And uh, Nick Richard, who is, uh, who is our counterpart at the, the Leafs Nation, uh, he also works for Doppler Prospects. Nick's a very smart guy. We've quoted him and, in him and his daughter work. Extensively throughout our second round target series, uh, Nick did a, over at uh, at Leafs Nation. He did a, a draft ranking of his own with some some bios and and such. Uh, so we'll we'll link to that when we post up the podcast. Because between Nick and uh, and Chris Peters and and the smart people over at FC and the smart people over at Dauber, there's a lot of good information out there. So uh, you know we encourage you. We're we're going to share with you guys uh, three uh, three draftees potential draftees a piece that we think. Oh man, it'd be great if the Flames got insert name here. Uh, but in the in the comments uh, on Twitter, feel free to to jump in with the with players you're excited about because you know we're all reasonable love people. We all we, you know we we love to hear them. And, and honestly, this is the t- This is the this is the fun part. There's nothing you know that we're selling hope at this point. There's everybody's tied for first place right now, and everybody's first overall until Shane Wright becomes first overall, or or Slavovsky, or, or, or uh, Logan Cooley, or Logan Cooley. Again, this is a this is the fun part about the debates. Uh, this is gonna be a fun draft. Uh, so I'll I'll go first because I want to. Uh, so the my first uh, I hope they get this guy is Elias Salomonson. He's a, a right shot D plays in the SHL. Super young, you know. He's played a lot of high end hockey for a guy his age. I believe Shane, correct me if I'm wrong. He's the August thirty first birthday, so he's two weeks away from being. Too young for this draft class.
3: Yeah, he's super young. He's like like he should be. If if he were like two weeks later, he we would be talking about him in the 2023 class. And he probably with another year of development under his belt, probably would end up being the first round talent. Yeah, so, and, and
2: you and usually usually the the July and August birthdays they're raw. They're kind of clunky. They they're sort of like you know Bambi at the first part of Bambi rather than Bambi at the last part of Bambi. Uh, you know, when Bambi's had a chance to fill out a bit. Uh, Salomon's son played in a very good league, a decent amount, played in a very good junior league, was all over international hockey. And so, if you're the Flames, the Flames tend to draft, uh, they tend to prioritize D and centers as much as they can. Uh, and, and they've done a decent job of that. And the, he seems, Salomon's son, Swedish right shot, defenseman played a lot of international hockey so you know if you're if you're uh, if you're trying to build a book on him as a scout if you're trying to go to Tre Living or Todd button and be this is why this is the guy there's a lot of ammo a lot of tape a lot of year to year progression you can use and i think i think he'd be he'd be a, a decent fit so that's that's my first of my three Shane how about who's your who's your first
3: i'll counter with a defenseman as well you could call him Swedish. You could call him Canadian, you could pick. I really don't care. It's Mance Lindgren from the Kamloops Blazers. Kamloops has been a factory for producing NHL talent. They're fantastic. Uh, Chris Peters had them 60th, so right in the Flames range uh, where they're picking. Uh, really just strongly like the player, like the way he moves, like the way he moves the puck. Uh, Progression wise, numbers, everything in terms of eye test and analytics lineup. To be okay, well, this is a very solid pick they could make at fifty nine. Y- you're not getting, you're not getting Shane right. You're not getting Logan Cooley. You've got to take your bets, and he's a solid bet. He'd be, he'd be what I, in poker terms, he's worth seeing the flop. You know, he he he's a he's an ace king. It's not uh, ace king off suited, sure, whatever, but he's worth seeing the flop. See if you got anything to work with. And Mass Lindgren's that type of player. He's not a kind of guy. You're not going in with a three king off suit, hoping to, hoping to hit something you've got the, the tools are there you can see it let you could take him and, and work on developing him yourself so our, and that's my guy.
2: if you want to make some intangibles arguments uh his dad was a former NHLer Matt Lindgren is the son of Matt Lindgren
3: yeah uh, Lindgren. so there's some
2: there's some intangibles there because he'll he'll kind of know what you need to do to make it and what's that you know I think you're not gonna have to teach him how to be a pro because he'll sort of know it and yeah. the fact that, you know, Kelowna hosting or Kamloops Kamloops is hosting the Royal Cup next year. So, you know, Athleaner is going to be playing hockey till like late May. And so I think if you're, if you're thinking, you know, you want him to get a bunch of reps, he's going to be playing deep waters hockey next year. He's guaranteed if, if Kamloops doesn't win the WHL championship and you know, it's very rare that the, the yeah. host does, they're gonna, they're loading up, they're going to be a contender, but at the very least, he's going to be playing for two weeks against the three best teams in hockey. And I don't think, you know, we just saw, uh, you know, Jeremy Poirier and Yan Kuznetsov do that. I don't think you can underscore how important it is for their development because, you know, you're looking at guys who, you know, like, you're like, oh, what do they do in the lights are on Bright? A lot of these guys, the answer is, I don't know, because you it's hard for them to be in those situations. And, you know, Lindgren's going to be in that situation in May, and I think there's a big amount of value there.
3: Yeah, okay. your next guy,
2: Pike. My second guy is uh, the not quite the pride of Kladno, Czechia yet, but he, he hopes to be. Uh, Matias Sapovaliv. Uh, he uh, is originally from Kladno, Czechia. Uh, he came over this year as an import for the Sagno Spirit. He played on uh, and actually played with briefly Yarmir uh, Yager's team. Uh, Kladno is Yarmir Yager's hometown. Uh, uh, Rutiri Kladno is the team. That Yarmer Yager owns, and last season as a 16-year-old, Sabbavaliev made his pro debut playing on Yager's team for Yager, and that's kind of cool. And he got to the point where he was, you know, he wanted to to try out some new things, and he came to Saginaw, and he had a pretty good rookie season. And he's one of those guys where he's, you know, he's scrappy, he's got some good intangibles, he's not really bad at anything, and the fact is he's played pro hockey against grown ass men as a 16 and 17-year-old in a pretty good league. And didn't get his head kicked in, and then he came to the OHL. And he's probably a guy that has a ton of upside. And as as basically a, a deeply sentimental person, I think it'd be kind of fun if Yarmir Yager gave the Flames a nice parting gift to uh, commemorate his time. Uh, the most recent NHL team he was with was the Flames, and so put a bow on him. Get, you know, Yager can send a card when they uh, when they draft him. I think that I think that'd be fun. And I also think you know
3: left shot center. I think it'd be useful. He could, wear a, he could wear a Flames yogurt jersey after in, in, uh, in Flames bed sheets after he gets drafted and uh, say he's been willing his whole life. Center for a center. I'm going back to the Kamloops Blazers pool. I think both of these players are very strong, and I really like the Kamloops Blazers development staff at the junior level. Fraser Minton, he had a bit of a breakout in the playoffs, playing a huge role um, for Kamloops as they march through their postseason. He's projected to get more ice time next year. And overall be a put in a role in a good developmental league. That's not going to be over his head or anything. He's going to play where he needs to play slot in properly and and get the time to develop. Uh, He can play center. I like taking centers because even if they don't pan out as a center, you can convert most of them to effective wingers. He's got the tools in terms of a shot, which is, which is huge. Flames don't have too many high end scores and he knows how to get to the net um Tyler Toffoli like uh he can work on his board play a little better but is in terms of getting to the net and driving the net uh Mangiapane Mangiapane Toffoli like uh, not quite the, the same level as them but you can work on that and you can coach that into him so I like Frazier
2: well I'm gonna go with my last guy and my last guy feels very flamesy uh from the Kingston Frontenacs of the uh the OHL uh Paul Ludwinski left shot center uh, all mo- great motor. The big knock on, Mitt- on Lewinsky is like, ah, he might not have high-end offense, but he's you know, good two-way player, good skater, good motor, battles hard. And I think the idea is if if you he, he had a great second half of the year and his playoffs were great uh, p- over a point per game in the playoffs. So if you're thinking, okay the second half of the year is like first half of the year is him figuring out the OHL cuz he was a rookie. Second half of the year if you think the second half of the year in the playoffs were the real Lewinsky, he's a steal in the second round. If you think that you split the difference and maybe he might not be quite as good offensively, but he's you know, consistently throughout the year he had, you know, good skating, good good awareness, good everything, just didn't score as much. If he split the difference, he's still going to be a decent enough player with some upside. So I think, you know, Lewinsky, OHL guy decent size, good skater, good, good competitiveness. The things, you know, the things you can't teach he has. And I think he feels like a, he feels like a Calgary Flames draft pick.
3: Flames uses the word a lot of you guys use. Um, I I was going to pick another player, but I changed my mind. Uh, I told Pike uh, my guys beforehand, but he didn't pick my guy. So I got to go to the Slovakian well with my last one. Uh, I have to, He's, he's the guy I probably want more than anything. It's Adam Sikora. I love the fact that he gets to play with, uh, the top end Slavkovsky and Nemec from, from the same country. Um, just, just overall, he's super skilled, super speed. He's not scared to get in the corners, not scared to get beat around. He played well internationally, played well against top competition. Everyone, every scout noticed him. Every scout agrees he's a top 60 talent in this draft, uh, which is why I don't think he'll be there at 59. (laughs) But people that are undersized tend to fall sometimes. We've seen it in drafts before with Alex Debrinkit, Braden Point, Dronin Gaudreau. It's kind of a common theme that seems to never go away. Andrew yeah, Yeah, he lasted a good 13 rounds. Um, But these guys, these smaller guys, Flames aren't shy to take them, especially if they're higher skill. I don't doubt they're there. I don't think he's there and I don't think they take him. I just really like the player. I really see them taking either a junior age player from Canada or a Swedish player. That's just me. It could be OQ or uh, dub. Doesn't matter. I just, I just, it just seems, those are the wells they go to when they really need a good pick.
2: Um, uh, and especially this year when they have so few picks, you can sort of, you know, if you're, if you're going to be, you know, the, the term we use in a lot of sectors is risk averse. The idea is you're going with what you know and what you trust because you really don't want to botch it, which I'm sure you don't go in the draft going, I hope we don't screw this up, but this is the one of the years where I think, you know, they, or especially early on, you might go with familiar and familiar for the flames means the dub, the O and Swedes.
3: Yep. And, and you said it too. And I agree with you. You say this a lot is, you know they like to draft a bunch of different types of players, and Pelche and Sakora s- are quite similar in terms of size and ability. Now, I think Pelche has got a better defensive game, but but they're it's similar. You already have yeah. someone like that. You okay. as I'll, for I'll be, it, I'll,
2: play Avizari,
3: I'll play devil's advocate here. I think I think they go D
2: with with Sakora. Okay, if you're the Flames and you 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 know you, every every draft pick's a bit of a, a gamble, like mm-hmm. even the hot, even the traversion outers. If you if your guys gambled, they went. We really like Pelche. We're taking Pelche, and he turned out as well as he has. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. the first year pro Pelche is an all rookie. Doesn't that make you more likely to pick Pelche ish players? Because let's be honest, like Pelche, well, you know, unless his, unless his his development completely sidelines over the next year or two, Pelche is probably going to be pushing for NHL minutes as early as this year. He could be an NHL regular before the end of his, his ELC. And so, he's the only the,
3: winger like that that they yeah. have. They, they took Stromgren last year. They took Siona. Uh, what who did they take the year before? Francis, who they didn't sign. Like those are the wingers they took. And Coronado. And Coronado's a sniper. He's a goal scorer. Coronado. So, yeah. Coronado.
2: Uh, let's let's uh, oh, while we're here, give let's uh, let's give a cheers to Coronado because Matt Coronado not, a, not only was the playoff MVP in the ECAC conference. Uh, leading harvard the crimson to a conference playoff championship he also made the all-academic team like everybody on harvard made the all-academic team that sounds like a cool like they must have had a blast that year but yeah i, I agree i completely agree with you on, on that notion
3: so look and they've taken forwards with their last three first overall picks and and even in the second round like the they only went d heavy in 2020 with kuznetsov and poyeh and they also took Boltman, but that's not here nor there. They didn't take any in 2019. But that's after going
2: three years ago. In 2021,
3: D. they only took why not and Jordan, who aren't super high-end level D prospects. So they're short on that. They're yeah. short on that. And that's why I think they go to the D well at 59.
2: Yeah, I think, I think all things being equal to Flames, I, if I were them, I would feel more confident in the depth of forwards I have and the depth of D. Because, you know, Kuznetsov and Poirier are good prospects. They're not great, but they're good. And I think they're going to play. I don't know how high a level of play at, but, you know, they, they'll have a chance. Uh, and, but I think the Flames have more Fords that have a chance than D. And so I, I agree with you. Uh, other, other guys, you know, we've mentioned uh, – we won't get into this too, too much, but this is a good year for D, sort of where the, we expect the, – the guys we expect the Flames to have around where they go. I mentioned Salamon's Son, Simon Forsmark is another guy uh, – Swedish kid playing in Sweden, good player, you know, has a chance. Uh, Thomas Hamara is a Czech player playing in Sweden. Good player has a chance. Kasper Kulunumi, another high N D, fairly high N D, playing in the in the Swedish league, or the Finnish League, rather, because he's Finnish. Uh, so I I think i be I'd be having no inside information, I would expect the Flames to look really hard at all four of those guys and or whoever whichever one of those guys is still remaining at 59 um and i think it'd be a question of are the are the centers available at that point more uh, more of an asset to them than the d available because i think that might be the that might be the calculus they have
3: yeah well, uh, and i've said it before if if the best player that's there at 59 is a forward take him. Uh, I just did a piece on Gleb Trakozov. I don't think he's going to be there, but he definitely, if he's there, he's the best, he would be the most skilled player there, most skilled in terms of offense and and possible high-end potential. Depends what they want. I trust this iteration of the Flames draft team. They've been doing very well compared to the years of disappointment and what they do and what they decide. I mean, I'll analyze it because it's what I do. But I trust them. I I don't go into any draft anymore with skepticism. I come out going, okay, which gem do I think they're going to find? Or what can Brad do?
2: Even even last year's draft, I mean, and gaining uh, more. Even last year, I'll say this I think the 2021 draft, they had some good players just had horrible luck. I mean, Cole Jordan was not healthy. Uh, Jack Beck had a friggin' kidney contusion, and he was like just in rough shape for half of the year. Like he missed a good chunk of the season. Cole Jordan was you know not in great shape uh, you know, he, he was dealing with a lot of injuries he wasn't really himself until like the last 20 25% of the year and our friend Joel Henderson noted that you know he looked real good at the end of the season but up until then he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't real good you know but uh, you know Cam Cameron Wynott was hurt and then sick and then hurt and then sick like a lot of these guys Stromgren and
3: Hawkins as well. Like, like, the, yeah, everything.
2: Stromgren every- Strom, Strom, Strom just had no puck luck. He played a lot of hockey, but he had no puck luck. He, you know, Hawkins had, you know, had his issues. We don't know exactly what happened in the Cadi Bathurst, but he's been traded to Sherbrooke, which let, you know, have, again, no inside information. But when a player gets traded the, as soon as a team is allowed to trade them, makes you wonder. Um, but I mean, he, it's, he it's, Sher- Sherbrooke's a good team. He's going to play, he's going to get good minutes in a good team. And you know, it seems like that's a situation where everybody got what they needed out of that trade. Uh, so yeah, but I think next year you're gonna have a, the entire twenty one draft class is gonna be going that year, going like who who had great years at the twenty one draft class? Coronado, Sergeyev, and Jack Beck. That's it. And Sergeyev, I mentioned Sergeyev.
3: Oh yeah, Sergeyev. Yeah, but like really, really, if you just classify him was great years, Coronado and Beck, like Sergeyev, Sergeyev. Yeah, oh, and Sergeyev. Yeah, those you three. Like, the goalie three. of the year didn't have a great year. Yeah, no. This is three. I I I know two things about goalies: big saves and bad goals. I learned that all from all, all
2: I know. All I know is there's some wildness in Sergeyev. There's some Barry Brust in him. He, I, uh, he got he got ejected from games three times. He got suspended twice. Like there's there's some wildness in him. Uh, I'm curious how he does in college. Although again, the USHL uh, they don't screw around. So basically, if you look if you look cross-eyed at a, go, at a referee, you get tossed. So <laughs> it is what it is uh, but he put up numbers and you can't argue with that. So uh, yeah, I'm, I, yeah, I, th- I, those
3: three had strong seasons out of the 20, but every draft class, you're just looking for, well, you're hoping one of them panned that one turns into something. Cause if you can get one NHL consistent NHL player a year, you have someone coming each year to help. And you can build, if you get three, like they did when they got Manjapani, Anderson and Shillington, you're just laughing. That's very rare. Two, two is stand, Two is what you hope for. One is what you pray for. And out of that draft, Matt Coronado still looks great, and Jack Beck looks fantastic. Uh, out of the 2020 draft, Zari looks great still. Like He's still proge- progressing well. Zari, Zari,
2: Zari, for those of you who didn't watch a lot of the, the heat down the stretch, Zari really like – he, he missed all of camp. He missed he, – he really wasn't up and running until, like, Christmas – he had a great last six weeks
3: of the season and he was great in the playoffs. Well, you talk about Lewinsky and his first half versus his second half. If you consider the first half, you figuring it out and the second half, you being you and Zari, falls right into that same category of he figured it out. And I'm very interested to see how he starts the next season, especially seeing is if we project Rzichka to be full-time on the NHL roster, which in my personal opinion, he should be He's very effective. I, there.
2: I have, I have no idea who the centers are going to be on the AHL team next year because they're all either graduating or pending UFA. <laughs> so that's, yeah, we'll, we'll get into that later. But Yeah. I think uh, it's, we'll it's, it kills me that i can't be in montreal this week for the draft cuz it's my f- it's my favorite event it's the best if you have a chance to go as a fan as media as a bystander as whatever go to a friggin draft they're a blast it's it's like you know it's like hockey christmas everybody opens their presents everybody's you know hanging out yeah, if, no, depending no. on the city it's in you know, Montreal is such a cool city. I, the last draft I went to in Vancouver, that was a blast. Chicago was a blast. I heard Dallas was really, really fun. If you have the means, the opportunity, whatever, to go to a draft, highly, highly, highly recommend going to one because it's, you know, it's every, everybody's, everybody's uh, when they get drafted, you're seeing two, th- this year, there's 225 picks being made. 225 young men will, uh, will have their dreams come true. And granted, it guarantees you absolutely bubkis. But it gives, it's, it's a step and it's, you know, kids who've been, you know, this is meant to be fun in the best of times. And so many of these young guys have been, you know, Jane and I are old now, especially me, but all these young guys, I mean, kids who were born in 2003, 2004, have been working their entire friggin' lives, dreaming, sitting up at night, dreaming about being drafted, dreaming about playing for their favorite team, dreaming about hoisting the Stanley Cup. They're not going to get the Stanley Cup t- o- over the weekend. Like, it's just not going to happen. That's just not a thing that happens that quick. But they get a chance to, to put on a jersey and think, I did it. And that's, you know, at the, fun- at the, at the base of this, that's what it's all about. It's all about and fun times and dreams coming true. And even some guys who don't get drafted getting a chip on their shoulder and becoming very good afterwards.
3: And, and to just put in perspective for draft expectations, the Flames from the 2018, 19, 20, and 21 draft have had a, a collective zero games played from prospects drafted. So 2017, they've got 82 from Valimaki and 31 from Rizizka. So like, this stuff takes time. If you want to properly develop pros and get guys into roles, it takes time. So we make dreams come true this weekend. We see the results in four to five years, ideally, Ideally, I see, I see Pelche being close. Coronado uh, coming depends what happens with Zari. But oh, I, but like I think, even even if you look at the 18 draft, I, I we think have we
2: see I, and, I think we see Coronado before the end of the 22-23 season.
3: I, I would be at the end of the next Harvard season. If he wants to come, he probably would be more than welcome. Barring barring what we all are assuming is another progressive year, right? Like if he takes a massive step back or takes a big injury, knock on all the wood in your house, it could be delayed. But I'm with you on that, Pike. I, I do think he's he's not a guy that was that far away to begin with. And you know now he needs – after he's playing against guys that are bigger than him in college already, he's effectively uh, learning how to use his the,
2: the, the technical term for who he's playing against are grown-ass men.
3: Yeah, exactly. So he's learning to use his size and his speed and his spaciousness effectively with the league he's in. Let him keep developing. He came – I'm going to use that Lewinsky thing on you all the time. Coronado came on slow last year. How did he finish the season? Well, he finished carrying the team into the final four. He was
2: was the best player in the playoffs. Yeah. He was the best player.
3: When it came down to single elimination games, he came to play. You you, you talked earlier – how many guys have actually been in the fire? Well, the NCAA playoffs, single game elimination—that's fire from the and, second start.
2: Not not only single game elimination, but the in the in the national rankings, they were low enough down that they had to win out to make it. Like they would not have made yeah. the the the, uh, the NCAA playoffs like uh, the, from the conference without winning the championship in their conference. So they were in a situation where to be, to make it to the big dance, they had to win out, and to win out, they had to get corn honors to score the big goals. And he did it. Repeatedly.
3: The well, the last ten games of the year were all basically elimination games for them, and they came through and they went all, They they kept winning. So, and a lot of that, like you said, is Coronado. Coronado got the goal that got them there to the final. Okay, away.
2: let's let's uh, before we wrap up, let's play a quick game. Okay, Shane, you guess and I'll guess. How many picks do the Calgary Flames make this week? How many picks? Four. Okay. I, I, think, I, think, I
3: think they find a way to get another one I say wish three. it's five but I think they make four I think three I think they find a way to get an extra one I, I don't know I just
2: I, I, I think here, here's, here's my wrinkle I think the Flames make trades but I think the picks they gain if at all are next year
3: well that's not a bad idea <laughs> the next year's draft is unreal <laughs> do not trade that first until you know you're not a lottery team <laughs>
2: All right, let's do the plugs. First of all, uh, our buddy Pat is at the draft. He'll be in Montreal all weekend. If you don't follow him on Twitter, shame on you. But if you yeah. take, make sure you follow him on Twitter and thank uh, him for all his work and and thank you. Make sure you say thanks, Pat, because he appreciates thanks. Uh, but Pat's there all 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 weekend long. He'll hopefully return to Calgary one piece eventually. Uh, round one of the draft with the Flames now picking starts at five o'clock on Thursday on Sportsnet and ESPN in the United States. Round two of the NHL draft, two through seven, uh, is Friday, starting at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Also on Sportsnet. I think it's also on ESPN. Might be on ESPN 2 or it's 5. Be. It's It'd on one of the. It's on one of the. It's going to be
3: on ESPN Plus somewhere streaming.
2: So. Yeah, it's, uh, if you're an American listening to this podcast, thank you for your support, but we don't know your channels well enough to give you any specific advice. Uh, all we'll, uh, we'll have all kinds of uh, previewy content on flamesation.ca all week long uh you know we have a whole slew of, of uh, first round or second round targets from myself mike shane colton uh pretty much everybody who writes for us has been has been doing draft target pieces uh we'll have uh, we've had a, a historical look back at how the flames have done in each round uh shockingly they do well in the sixth and well in the first and the rest of the draft is kind of iffy uh so maybe they should either trade up or trade way down um and then we're going to have a have some some preview stuff looking at just sort of how the Flames look in terms of their roster, in terms of their cap, what they need to do, what they might need to do to do it, those kind of things. So it's going to be, it's going to be a really fun couple of days, and as we mentioned off the top, it's going to be a busy few weeks, and hopefully, uh, hopefully everything turns out newsworthy. It gives us stuff to write and, and opine about, because that's, the, that's what it's all about. It's about us flapping yes. our gums and writing some words about sports, sports, sports.
3: This week, we can still have peace of mind. It's when next week starts that uh, the hair starts getting pulled out. So,
2: well, the nice thing is, you got a lot of it. So, I think, <laughs> there you, go. I think you, you, Shane, was Shane was preemptive. He's, he's figuring if he's going to pull his hair out, he might as well have an excess of it. So, uh, he won't need a haircut. He'll just do it himself.
3: I'll just, you know, yank it out.
2: So, that, that'll do it for uh, the preview edition for the NHL draft of Flame Station Radio. Brought to you by DoorDash and by Eau Claire Distillery, the makers of Rupert's Whiskey the draft whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. So uh, I'm Ryan, he's Shane. We'll see you guys in a week when hopefully we'll have some news and we'll definitely have a few new faces and names to remember from the Calgary Flames draft class. See you in a week.